The reading today is from Paul's letter to Philemon, beginning at verse 1. It can be found on page 232 of the New Testament section of the Pew Bible. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith towards the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, do this as an old man, and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am appealing to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, that is my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but as more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I am writing to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. One thing more, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping through your prayers to be restored to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, 
And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Put your hand up if you actually read Philemon before. Oh, some of us have. Well done. Hands up if you... He told you what page to find it on, but hands up that you'd have known exactly where to find it. No. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, it's one that we don't, don't look at very often or have much to do with. Go on, let's, let's, let's pray first. Oh, loving Lord, will you take my words now and speak through them? Will you take our ears and hear through them? Will you take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you? May we now learn from you, be challenged and encouraged. Oh, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Yes, indeed. Um, we're going to look a little bit at what um, Paul is saying in his letter to, uh, to Philemon uh, this morning. Um, I, I, interestingly enough, I discovered when I was preparing for today that there are a number of people over the years uh, who've suggested that we'd be well able to do without this little letter from Paul to, uh, to Philemon. Well, what's the, what's, the, what's the real use of it? Um, this reminded me in many ways of, of an evening when we were on holiday quite a few years ago, Hazel and I, and we were having uh, dinner with a, a rather distinguished um, Cambridge-trained doctor of theology, and he sought to diminish uh, certain books of the, the value of certain books of the Bible. Uh, he began to argue his case, and it was clear he only wanted to read what fitted in with his very fixed ideas of God and the gospel news. And I remember we quoted to him and reminded him of Paul's letter to Timothy, where he says, all scripture, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And I remember how he struggled to dismiss that. Uh, you see, every book, every book in the Bible is there to serve God's purposes. There's something there for, 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 you know, for all of us. And it's no less true, certainly, in this little, this very brief letter. That, that was the whole letter, by the way, uh, all 25 verses. Uh, in uh, Paul writing to Philemon. As we've picked up already, I'm going to pick up mainly the, the, the area of forgiveness that comes in, in that letter. But a little bit of background first. Uh, it's quite interesting to look at it. Um, Philemon was a resident uh, of Colossae. And it was through the ministry of the Apostle Paul uh, that um, Philemon had been converted. It's the Holy Spirit, of course, that does the converting work. But, you know, amazing how God uses individuals to play their part in leading people to Christ. Never forget that. But um, like many other Christians at that time, uh, Philemon had a slave 
and that slave was called Onesimus, and he had run away from him. And there's a very clear hint that he'd helped himself to some of his master's possessions. Uh, it was money, most probably. Well, the fugitive reached Rome uh, during the time that Paul was in prison there, and by a strange chain, if you uh, do a bit of research, you'll find that out, by a very strange chain of circumstances, you know, God moves in a mysterious way, doesn't he? Onesimus met Paul in the busy metropolis, and he was led to Christ by his ministry. And in the weeks that followed, a sort of a mutual bond of love developed, and Onesimus proved himself to be a very valuable and valued uh, helper to Paul. But they both agreed that the proper thing would be for Onesimus to return to Philemon and make right the wrongs of the past. To make right the wrongs of the past. So it was that Paul wrote this letter to Philemon very gently, I hope you might have picked that up, very gently requesting that he welcome back his runaway slave, forgiving him, forgiving him and restoring him to favor. Well, you know, those are the bare facts with master and slave now living miles apart in this broken relationship that, that's, that's uh, come about. So this letter that Philemon writes, uh, that Paul writes to Philemon, comes totally out of the blue. And we can picture, well, I can certainly picture Philemon and Aphia. Uh, Aphia, I, I think, must have been uh, Philemon's wife. But I can picture them going through the contents of the letter. I wonder if you can too. Just imagine them receiving this letter and opening it up and, and saying, Oh, look at this. Oh, how nice to hear from Paul. Oh, look, he and, he and Timothy send their greetings. Oh, good old Paul. Oh, he never changes, does he? Oh, always very warm and encouraging. Oh, Oh, what's this? Paul has met that rascal Onesimus. Oh, oh, I'd like to get my hands on him. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh. 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 Onesimus has become a Christian. And Paul says that he's, he's found Onesimus to be a very caring friend. Oh, he must have changed. Look at this. He's inviting us to forgive Onesimus, to welcome him back, and to receive him as a brother. Oh, oh dear. Oh, oh, what are we going to do about that? Yeah. I can well imagine them just going through that together. But do take note of the way that Paul goes about this sort of reconciliation exercise. You know, in many other situations, we see all that Paul did and said. Uh, he, he used to use his authority and virtually dictate what had to be done. But here, quite different. He commends and he encourages Philemon in his walk with Jesus. He just builds him up 
praying for him to have a full understanding of everything that we have in Christ. Oh, and isn't, isn't that a reminder to all of us uh, to, to encourage our brothers and sisters in their faith and their witness in the way that they live and in the way that their lives proclaim Christ to others? Come on, we should be telling them of, of, about joy when we see them and hear about them sharing the love of Jesus and reflecting his light in the workplace, in the community, wherever they are. You know, the Barnabas role of encouraging, of thanking and blessing and building up each other achieves so much. What a blessing, what a blessing, especially for the church leaders, for Ian and others, when they are encouraged and know that they're being prayed for. How sad, though, by contrast, there are times, and it can happen in church life, when criticism becomes more prevalent than praise and appreciation. But come on. Here was the servant Onesimus who'd sinned. He'd stolen money, where he appears, and he'd run away. And for him now, there was uh, but one punishment, only one punishment in the legal framework, and that was death. There was no way back for total reconciliation until Paul actually stepped in and offered to make good. He offered to pay the debt and to foot the entire bill, telling Philemon to put the charges to his account. It's there, wasn't it? If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Nudge, nudge, Philemon. Nudge, nudge. What's Jesus done for you? What's Jesus done for you? Nudge, nudge. Do you get the message? See what I'm getting at? Do you see what I'm trying to tell you? Yes. You know, Philemon was a sinner just like Onesimus. Yes, just like us. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the punishment for that sin is death. I'm not telling you that. It's what God tells us. But that is what we earn and what we deserve. The wages of our sin is death. But, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, let's all never forget that how Jesus Christ stepped in to rescue us all. He died as our substitute on that cross of Calvary. He paid our debt in full. And he tells us, all who trust and believe in him, to charge our sins to his account. You know, if God forgives us, and he does, he forgives us as sinners, we are reconciled to him. And so Philemon, as all of us, must recognize how to deal with those who hurt us. Philemon had to recognize how he had to deal with Onesimus. He had to make that choice to forgive. And it's a choice that we all have to make when someone hurts us or someone lets us down. Some left with a desire to seek revenge or some way to get the better of the one who has offended. 
how we need to forgive and let go. Forgive and let go. It's all of 40 years, 40 or so years ago, I waited outside St. Juan's Parish Hall for a meeting of one of the parish committees. We were concerned that one of the parish officials hadn't arrived. Eventually, some 15 or so minutes later, he appeared and he was rubbing his hands with glee. Oh, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm late, but I couldn't miss the opportunity I had an hour ago. I've been waiting 16 years to get revenge on someone who wronged me. And this morning, I got my own back. I'm so happy. Oh, you poor, poor man, piped up our then rector, Dennis Gurney. You've allowed the cancer of revenge to eat into you for all that time instead of being released by offering forgiveness to the individual. We were all stunned into silence by what I reckon is the most powerful sermon that's ever been preached outside St. Juan's Parish Hall. Oh, you see, Jesus said, when you pray, say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. You know, when we know what it means to be forgiven, how much more incumbent it is upon each one of us to forgive others. As I walked along the beach with a friend of mine, uh, he shared with me the bitterness that was in his heart and the pain that a younger man had caused him and his family. I don't think I could ever forgive that man. And I certainly don't want to talk to him ever again. It was a moment for me to speak to him about Jesus and the whole area of forgiveness. I was talking to someone who was in Christ but, and who knew what it meant to be a forgiven sinner, yet it seemed that he could not forgive in this instance. After some prayer, and in fact, I gave him R.T. Kendall's book on forgiveness. And shortly afterwards, he forgave that man who'd hurt him so much. And my dear friend has shared with me the colossal relief and release that has come about through that choice to forgive. And he speaks of his renewed love for that man and how they've met and they've talked together as friends. See? The restorative power of forgiveness. In my pastoral role over the years, I've met with many, some uh, lovely Christian people who are living with what I would refer to as the unfinished forgiving business. Some who are still harboring a grudge of some kind. 
maybe half buried, as it were, in the past. But occasionally it rears its ugly head and it causes discomfort and disquiet. Oh, oh, for the freedom and the release of forgiving those who had trespassed against them. And to forgive in the full measure of God's gracious forgiveness to them. God forgives in total fullness and buries our sins in the deepest sea, gone forever. Let me just pick up very briefly on another part of that letter. Paul writes about Onesimus, who formerly was useless to Philemon, but now has become useful. I don't know if you know, but the the word Onesimus means useful. Interesting, he was given that name almost in anticipation of what he would eventually be. He who used to be useless has become useful. You know, when Onesimus ran away, Philemon looked on him as a worthless rascal. And now Paul tells him that the thief, the rebel, is returning to him no longer as a slave, but as a dear brother in the Lord. You know, the good news of our salvation is the story of transforming grace. Slaves were regarded in the first century as things, things that were disposable and of limited or of no value at all. Paul might easily have disregarded the offending slave, but no, he had led him to Christ, to Christ who cares for everyone and breaks down all barriers that divide. Christ had released Onesimus from sin. He'd released him from all its guilt and its powerful attraction, and he transformed him into the useful person that he now was. That's an illustration of the majestic grace of the gospel. Those who are at present useless can be miraculously changed by Jesus and made useful. You know, we who have met with Jesus, we whose lives have been transformed by his amazing grace, we should be channels, not simply terminals, of his blessing. We are to be useful to him and to be used by him in sharing all that he's blessed us with, especially the good news. You know, what he did for Onesimus, what he's done for us, he can and he will do for others when they believe and trust in him and invite him in. Come on, let's be those who stand at the door and we knock on people's lives, and we do so in Jesus' name. How can they believe in one of whom they've never heard? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? May we all of us be willing 
and prepared to be useful to Jesus and to be used by him. We may not be called Onesimus, but whoever we are, we are there to serve the Lord and to be used by him and to be useful. Oh, come on, let's pray. Oh, Father, how we thank you. We thank you, our loving Lord, for the restorative power of forgiveness. And we thank you, too, for the transforming grace of the gospel. Oh, you have blessed us so richly. May we be channels of those blessings as we hand ourselves over to you for you to use us as you choose and as you direct day by day. Oh, yes, Lord.